and welcome back to another episode of Lost and Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed, and thank you for joining us this week. I know we've been kind of dropping the ball here the last two or three weeks between Wally having a sickness. Now he's in vacation in the Outer Banks of my home state of North Carolina to me having technical difficulties. But this week, we were just going to have to make it work. We got playoff football here to talk about. Week 17 to kind of recap. So there is no off days anymore. We do apologize for the quick sabbatical, but we are back stronger than ever. Do want to give a shout out to Wally for keeping it alive there. You know, this man's doing solo shows. He's always editing. So Walter Lukashevsky, you're the absolute man. Hope you're enjoying yourself uh, shooting a nice hundred on all the golf courses in North Carolina. I'm going to get right down to the point, baby. We're here to talk some football, but you know, we can't start it without a little bit of the hair of the dog. So we're going to get right into it here for you, folks. The Minnesota Vikings beating the Detroit Lions in the best game that no one watched, nor did no one really care about outside of that region of Minnesota and Detroit. Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins having a quarterback duel. Never thought I'd see the day I'd say that. Matt Stafford, 293 yards, three tutties, and one interceptions. Two Kirk Cousins, 405 yards, and two touchdowns. And there's a wide receiver battle as well between Marvin Jones and Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson with nine receptions, 133 yards versus Marvin Jones, eight receptions, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. But Justin Jefferson, A, the only offensive rookie to make the Pro Bowl, had an outstanding year, breaking not only Minnesota Viking records that were held for so long by Sir Randy Moss, but he just broke Anquan Bolden's rookie reception yard as well. So kudos to you, Justin Jefferson. I'm sure you're out there listening to us and really hyped that we're giving you the shout out. So keep grinding, even though you are in the division against the Packers. Hate to see it, but real recognize real in this case. So, you know, kudos to him. I'm going to jump right into it. You know, you're going to notice real quick as you open this, it's going to be a really short show. Again, we just want to get something out there for you guys. Make sure you know we're still alive as we figure this out. Next week, we will be back to normal. We will be back and doing good things. So just be ready. Be patient with us. Like the New York Jet fans need to be patient with their team and their unfortunate woes that have just been persistent all year, weren't even good or bad enough to fail and get the number one pick. They fired Adam Gase after the loss to the, the Patriots this weekend. Only good news you really have coming out of this game, and it's less for you Jets fans, it's more for NFL fans. Frank Gore is considering a 17th season next year. At this point, it's more of a novelty thing where it's just amazing to see a running back at this age go out there and at least be serviceable enough to remain in the league. But Jets fans, stay, stay patient. You got to see that Ohio State-Clemson game last weekend. There's a lot of hope out there this offseason. You're going to have a little money to throw around. You got a good young rookie left tackle in Mackay Becton. Don't panic. Things can't get worse. You can't physically have a worse coach in Gase. So move forward. Be happy. Ask for the Pats. Kind of unprecedented territory for them in the last 20 years. Finished 7-9. and nine. Almost unfortunately for them, they kind of got a, a look at what Cam Newton could have been with them this year as he had four touchdowns on the weekend, including a 19-yard reception touchdown. This is one of those games you almost got to be frustrated watching if you're a Patriots fan because there really were signs throughout the year occasionally, especially after the first two weeks. Everybody was talking about how, wow, Patriots went out and stole Cam Newton for a million dollars, and now the Patriots are back to where they should be. They're Super Bowl contenders. We all should pay attention. Now they have an active and mobile quarterback as well. Who knows what this team can be, and instead what you got is a guy that looked like he couldn't hit the broad shot of the barn for most of the year, stuck between 120 and 170 passing yards 
almost weekly. So to have a week like this where he had such a great second half, it's got to be almost more frustrating than something that you enjoyed on Sunday. The only good thing you can say about both of these teams going forward is you would imagine they both have a new young quarterback going into the season, which any fan base can get behind. It gives this feeling of hope, excitement. Just It's a blank, a blank canvas. You can go out and really make your franchise different. You can make it better, or you can really tunnel yourself. Look what the Raiders and Browns have done for the last 20 years, both finally having decent quarterbacks, and look what happens. So we'll see, but the Patriots... A lot of teams might, or a lot of people might think that they might move up for a quarterback. With so many being out there, it would surprise me just simply because of who Bill Belichick is. He doesn't like to move up. He's kind of a lot like the Pittsburgh Steelers in that regard. But we'll see. That's possible. Jets very likely to take a quarterback at number two, although there are those rumors out there right now that they would be willing to move down. If they do move down, expect them to get a haul and who knows, maybe pick up another one of those set five, six, seven first round quarterbacks later in the round. And that way you get your quarterback and you got a little firepower to surround him with a little bit of talent. And right now, New York needs that talent in the worst of ways. The New York Giants beating the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC least battle that really no one really gave a shit about. This is another game I alluded to just before that really outside of New York and Detroit or Dallas that no one really gave a shit about. The Giants went 3-0 at home against the division. First time since 2005. But man, Dallas, just shitstorm after shitstorm with this. Had the ball first and goal at the seven with under two minutes left, and they just weren't unable to finish, just like any other Mike McCarthy team. Big fucking surprise. I fucking hate that lazy-eyed fuck. Anyway, I've digressed. Big question is, both these teams are out. Even with New York winning that game, they needed the Washington football team to lose. They ended up winning, knocking the Giants out of the playoffs. But Dakota... Prescott. That is the biggest question mark. Obviously, man needs to get paid. His price tag keeps getting more expensive each game with each loss that they have. So that's going to be a fun offseason. We're going to cross that bridge when we get there. We're going to flip it to TB and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely handling the Atlanta Falcons. We all know Atlanta is an absolute dumpster fire of a team. No one really gives two two shits about that. Tom Brady and his Buccaneers are rolling, even with Mike Evans having that hyper-extended knee. Did not look pretty when it happened. Good enough, no ligament damage. He should be back here sooner rather than later. A.B. coming out with 11 catches, 138 yards, and two touchdowns in place of Mike Evans. And Brady with another four-touchdown performance, just a yard shy of 400 yards and throwing another interception, which is his first interception in about four or five games. So Tom Brady started started to heat up. You know, we've been bashing the Buccaneers here a little bit. I don't know how confident we can be in them. At the end of the day, Tom Brady, greatest quarterback to ever do it. And now we get to watch them battle the NFC conference as opposed to going through that treacherous AFC. So this is going to be a fun, fun postseason. Can't wait. And plus, we have more football games. How much better can that get? We got Wild Card Saturday, Wild Card Sunday, and potentially the National Championship on Monday as well following that for the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Got a bunch of Buckeye homers here, so I know that they love to hear that. I want to transition now with the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know where to begin. Yeah, they came back. They they won a game. They score with an aggressive two-point conversion play from Gruden, which, similar to what I was talking about as a like the Patriot fans, was almost frustrating as a Raider fan because we haven't seen any aggressive John Gruden yet this season, and it felt like a very weird time to bring it out. 
I agree with the call completely. You're playing for nothing. You're a dog shit team. You go out, you go for two, you try to get a win, you get the hell out of there. This was a game, too, of just two teams that have just struggled this year to get turnovers, or at least in the Broncos' sense, to not turn the ball over. Both had the lowest turnover differential going into this game with the Broncos with a league-leading minus 16 in the Raiders with a minus 11. Genuinely impressed that the Raiders were able to come out 8-8 eight and eight when you pair that. Minus 11 turnovers with the fact that they had 21 sacks this year. They had 15 takeaways. That's nowhere near good enough. You gave up 29.9 points per game. I mentioned it almost weekly, but when the Raiders give up fewer than 30 points, they win the game. They're 5-1 and one this season when that happens, which you can do the math. That means they're 3-7 and seven when the defense is giving up more than 30 points, and that's impossible to blame on Derek Carr on the offense. I do not care what people say. Now you just have to ask the question of what are you going to do from here? You have a guy like Trent Brown. I mean, he's been with you two years. You're paying him premier left tackle money, and he's your right tackle, and he's played 16 games of the 32 potential he could have played in that stretch. You can't pay paying a guy the figures that he's getting right now and get the production that you have, get the the lack of availability that you've been getting. It's nowhere near good enough. There's very, very good chance you might see three different faces on that offensive line come next year. Richie Incognito, Gabe Jackson, and Trent Brown, all very possibly getting an axe to open up a little bit of cap room as the league salary cap is falling this next year. And nobody has been prepared for it. You're seeing it all over the league right now. People are already mapping out how they can even get a little bit of spending money come the new fiscal NFL season. But that's enough Raiders talk right now. We'll get more into them in the offseason because I'm sure I'll have plenty of hopes, dreams, nerves, anxiousness. It'll be it'll be ugly all the way around. And one of the reasons it will be ugly as a Raiders fan looking forward is because the Chargers with Justin Herbert he looked electric on Sunday. Yeah, they were playing against effectively Kansas City's backup team, mixing a few role players here and there. But that's still an NFL win. You still have to go out there and do it. And Herbert did unbelievable things this year. You set the NFL rookie passing touchdown record with 32. That's incredible. Even for a normal quarterback in a normal year, people would be very happy with 31. I mean, that's two touchdowns a game. Today's NFL, you, you take that and you're very, very good. Regrettably, for the Chargers after the win, Anthony Lynn did get the boot as well as Black Monday did come around for him. I do expect him to have another opportunity in the league as a coordinator, though. I know that he made some very boneheaded decisions this year. One of those that, or some of those where you just can't really forget very easily. And I get that. I understand everybody's knee jerk reaction when teams are four and 12, five and 11, six and 10, or worse, whatever. Or even better, you have the overreaction of this is the greatest coach ever. This is the worst coach ever. Sometimes there's a little bit in the middle. Yeah, Anthony Lynn made some terrible coach or coaching decisions this year. But I tell you what, that Chargers team feels cursed, man. They just can never stay healthy. One of these years, you're gonna you got to imagine that defense is all going to be able to be on the field together at the same time. And when that happens, look out because I realistically think with Justin Herbert, you you might have a Chargers team be able to push for a division every now and then with the Kansas City Chiefs. As for the Chiefs, this game didn't mean anything. I'm not looking to it in any aspect right now. I mean, Mahomes didn't play. Kelsey didn't play. I mean, the only receiver realistically that you had was Nicole Hardman. Their defense was half there. This was nothing. The Chiefs are going to go in with a bye. They have effectively now two weeks off for the starters that they don't have to take those hits. That is invaluable at this time of year. The Chiefs will likely face the winner of that Baltimore and Tennessee Titans game this upcoming weekend. Or who knows? Maybe you get an upset out there. 
Maybe you get the the visiting Cleveland Browns or the visiting Indianapolis Colts too. But regardless, the Chiefs should be in a good space. I think they're going to be heavily favored against either of those teams. And then all of a sudden, you only have to win one more game after that to be back where you were last year, defending your prize, defending the Super Bowl. That's a miserable thought for me. But to me, it feels inevitable. And all we're doing is post or wait, postponing the inevitable as I think we are going to see the Chiefs win very consistently in the next decade. People are saying they are the next Patriots. I hope that they're the next Patriots because I think it might be worse I, the way this quarterback is. But enough about the Chiefs. You guys know how I feel. I've been harping on them all year. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. It makes me miserable. I'm done. The Baltimore Ravens, though. They just beat the shit out of the Cincinnati Bengals. Wasn't close. They were one of the teams going into this season that everybody thought if someone could knock off the Chiefs, it might be Baltimore. After looking really, really lethargic and not very good for, I'd say, most of this season, it looks like the Baltimore Ravens are finally clicking on all cylinders on offense. And who knows, if they're able to score 30 points against the Chiefs with that defense, there's a realistic shot they do not come off. Will it happen? We'll see. We'll get into that a little bit later. But for this game, the Ravens set a franchise record with 404 rushing yards against the Bengals in a game that could have been very easy to overlook. I know that you have to focus to get into the playoffs, but it's this is a Bengals team that I don't feel like has too much respect out there. When you lose Joey Burrow, you're looking at arguably the worst roster top to bottom left in the league. Ignore the wins. All of a sudden, defense isn't good. Pass defense is good. Rush defense isn't good. Offense isn't good without Gerald Burrow. A.J. Green likely played his last game. Geno Atkins likely played his last game. It sounds miserable if you're a Bengal fan right now. The one good thing you can say is that you have your franchise quarterback. You know it. You got to see what he looks like in this year. You have a young couple of receivers that you're going to pair with him for a long time in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. You'll likely even see them add another weapon or two in the draft. Hopefully they still have Panay Suel or however you pronounce his damn name coming in at tackle, generational talent on the offensive line. Then all of a sudden, that's the way you build a franchise. So there's a lot to be excited for going in the future, just not quite yet. So just every Bengals fan just needs to take a deep breath. You're okay. Nothing to worry about here. You take your lumps now because it's going to feel really good to return those lumps to teams in about three or four years. And that is going to wrap us up for the hair of the dog. Let's get down to what we really want. The Week 17 recap, Walter. I know everyone's looking for that. We're going to start it off here with me, where the Buffalo Bills just absolutely dominate the Miami Dolphins. The Bills, that the game didn't really matter for them. I think it was more or less they just wanted to play spoiler to the Dolphins because they waxed them by 30. Bills put up almost 60 points, 56, to Miami's 26. Josh Allen having a nice 224-yard day with three touchdowns. Hell, Matt Barkley even got it in the party with 164 and a touchdown himself. This Buffalo Bills team seems to be rolling. The only game that they've lost here the past couple months was to that Hail Mary against the Arizona Cardinals. Outside of that, they'd be riding eight, potentially a nine-game winning streak. This is the hottest team in the NFL right now. We should be fucking scared if you're on the AFC looking at you Chiefs fans because this might be the first time you can look at a team and actually might doubt yourself that the Pat Mahomes led Chiefs can beat them this is going to be the game that everyone's looking for everyone's going to watch if it happens Buffalo Bills are going to be making the run and it's going to be fun because we all know no one circles a wagon like the Buffalo Bills they've been running circles around teams this year so come on NFL I know you guys are fixed but come on everyone wants to see the Bills Chiefs game 
So I guess with that comment about the NFL being fixed, it's most likely going to happen, which I'm pumped about now. I'll fucking live with that. You know, this was a lot more fun. I was really looking forward to talk about this next one until the last few days with all the news. But the Browns are in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. They are playoff bound, finally. The only problem is in the last few days, we're finding out you're going to lose like 10, 15% of your roster going into the playoffs. You're not going to have your head coach, who's clearly been the best head coach you guys have had, probably since at least Butch Davis and possibly even before that. Little disappointing because now all of a sudden it takes a little bit of the fun you had this last weekend celebrating because now it doesn't even really feel like you got a real shot going out there. But, you know, weirder things have happened out there. Nothing to give up yet. It's still something to celebrate. Steven said it a little bit uh, later on. This is a team that has a future. I know a lot of people aren't very high on it, but I really like Baker Mayfield. He's a guy you can certainly win with and not win in spite of. And that's a really big difference. As for the Steelers, it's clear this game, I mean, they didn't show up. I mean, not in a bad way. When I say they didn't show up, I mean, they literally did not show up. You have guys like TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Big Ben, not even in the city of Cleveland, healthy scratch. They know what they're doing. This is a healthy team or a smart team. This is a good franchise. They know what to do in situations like this. They took they took the week off, and I don't mean that in a bad way. They want to make sure they are prepared for this upcoming wild card game, and all of a sudden, you bring a Cleveland Browns team that's had a real hard time in their history beating Big Ben at any point. They don't do it in Pittsburgh, and the problem is you're going right back to Heinz Field. It don't matter if there's 5,000 people. I don't care if you only got the Fox Sports crew or CBS crew at the game. Playing in Pittsburgh matters. Those guys are comfortable there. The conditions are tough. People remember playing in Heinz Field. Kickers have struggled, especially kicking into the East End. And who do the Browns have as their kicker? Well, Cody Parkey. Oh, that's a, that's interesting. That'll be fun going into next week. I don't want to get too much into this game now because I want to wait until I break it down into the betting portion of the show. But it's simple as this. The Browns won their game, albeit they didn't look great doing it. But they're in the playoffs. Congratulations to them. The Steelers, this wasn't the game to worry about. If anything, there's plenty of Steeler fans out there that were secretly a little happy when they did lose this game to know that they have that same Cleveland Browns team coming back to them and playing at Heinz Field this following week. I love they put it at 8.15 on Sunday night. It's very fitting. Hopefully they still manage to get it in and no more outbreaks come out of the Cleveland area. But we'll see. That's a, that's a, a little ways away still. But we will break that game a little bit more down once we get to the betting portion. But before we get to that, I'll send it real quick back over to Steven so we can talk about his Packers and Bears game. Oh, oh, oh Mr. Adam Alfonso. 2-0 against the Bears this year. Gotta love it. The Green Bay Packers absolutely owning the Chicago Bears. Dropping the Bears to 8-8, eight eight, yet they still made the playoffs, which really kind of grinds my gears. But the Packers clinching the number one seed. They, have, they just lost their left tackle, David Bakhtiari, last Thursday to a torn ACL. They seem to be playing very well against arguably the tougher D lines or front sevens that Green Bay has to face. And they did pretty damn well, mostly because Khalil Mack was held in check. Anytime you can pull Khalil Mack in check, that's a solid game. I'm still riding. I'm really not that high on my own team right now. Green Bay's looking good, but there's a plethora of just legendary or going to be legendary quarterbacks. You got Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson that you have to worry about here. Obviously, no one's going to be worrying about Mr. Bisky or Alex Smith. 
and there's no Jared Goff with these Rams. But, man, oh, man, those other quarterbacks. I'm nervous about the Packers, but at the end of the day, if you want to go to Tampa, you need to win in Lambeau, and that is don't care if there's no fans. That's the greatest home field advantage ever, and I think they proved that against the Tennessee Titans. But I'll wait to see who their opponent is here in a couple weeks. As for the Chicago Bears, they were they were hot. They were hot, averaging about 35 points per game the past four or five games. Mr. Trubisky seems to be on one, but they've run into that roadblock called the Packers. Mr. Trubisky cannot play well against the Packers. He shuts down completely. Green Bay had a complete game. They played amazing. They played all four quarters. I was waiting for them to blow it in the second half, as they typically do, and they just kept it along. The Chicago Bears have a weird matchup against the New Orleans Saints. I would have, I'm obviously going to put my money on the Saints and we'll get there. I will not be surprised if the Chicago Bears win, especially with Drew Brees' resume of heartbreaking losses and essentially their team not showing up to the really, really big moments. I don't care. I get it. That PI, that PI call was absolutely absurd, but still, what are the excuses for the other three or four heartbreaks that you've had here? Week one of this season, I wrote the Colts off to be dead. They lost. To the Jacksonville Jaguars fall 0-1. Jacksonville was touted to be 0-16 before the season by many people. Well, I guess they weren't that wrong. I started thinking after week one, I'm like, oh, you know what? Jaguars, a little bit of fight here. They're a little bit of a competitive team. Regrettably for them, week one was their only win of the year. Not regrettable for them and their fan base. That means you're likely going to have the pick or litter at quarterback, which as of right now, the consensus number one pick is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And if that happens, look out. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a very good very, very good NFL quarterback. He's one of the best prospects we can remember. A lot of people say best since Andrew Luck. I think he's a better prospect than Andrew Luck is coming out of school. It's not a foregone conclusion he'll be the number one pick. However, assuming he looks as good as we expect him to at the Combine, I think he will be locked in there. I think we'll know before the draft even that Trevor Lawrence is a Jacksonville Jaguar. It'll be one of those ugly ones from back in the day where even days in advance, you might hear the occasional, oh, Jaguars might be looking to trade their pick just to see if they can get a King's Ransom. They won't get one, not for what they're going to want to get in return to give up a Trevor Lawrence, and they'll likely have him. So go into your offseason happy. You got you paid your dues this year. That's effectively what happened. As for the Colts, needed a little help today. Needed the Miami Dolphins to lose their game for the Indianapolis Colts to sneak in. They do manage to. Almost even found a way to win the, their division altogether, but Houston or Tennessee managed to get that field goal at the end of the game from Sloman. Very close. Who knows what would have been different if that happened? A lot of different matchups, a lot of fun different things going on there, but it did happen the way it did. And the Colts are going in. They will be facing off against the mighty Buffalo Bills right now. And we'll break that down here in a little bit. But Colts go in, they take care of business. There was really never a doubt in this game that Jacksonville would or Indianapolis would win this game. Jonathan Taylor goes out. He gets 253 rushing yards. He sets a Colts single-season rushing record. The way the Colts have been in the last 20 years, you'd really think that the rushing record for them would have been like 115 yards. But no, it was a little bit further back. Not to mention, I'm sure a lot of you guys are old enough to remember Edger and James the last time they realistically had a running back. And before that was Marshall Falk, before they sent him over to uh, St. Louis in that greatest show on turf offense with the Rams. Last thing I do want to mention in this about these teams, though, there's a lot of smoke going on right now, but Urban Meyer surrounding with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if that happens, a lot of people are drawing connections to the potential of them drafting Justin Fields at one. He was the guy that helped bring him into Ohio State from Georgia at the end of his tenure at the college. 
I don't know. I really don't like the move. I love Urban Meyer as a coach because of what he did at Ohio State. But realistically, I don't think he has the like the ability to transition into an NFL kind of style of gameplay. I mean, he at the end of his career, I didn't feel like he was up to date in a college gameplay. It's one of those things where I think teams fall in love with the name. They fall in love with the the allure, the lust of the factor of previous success at a lower division. But we've seen this in the past. Look at Lou Holtz. Look at Pete Carroll and his initial stint in the NFL. There's plenty of guys that tried to make that jump and simply weren't able to do it. That is just something to keep an eye on going into the playoffs this week. A lot of coach openings now. There's six right now. Let's see where people end up. Robert Salah is another guy that's name has been thrown around a lot in those job vacancies. It'll be interesting to see. Oh, and you guys know I got to check it out west here. The Rams sent Kyler Murray and the Cardinals home for the season as the Cards failed to win and get in. Classic. Looks like Larry Fitzgerald is retiring. That is just a gut punch. I remember watching that man get drafted to come in the league. Out of all the great wide receivers growing up that we all hear about or see highlights from, Larry Fitzgerald is one of those guys that I just remember from the get-go up until, you know, he's obviously retiring this year. So that's that is heartbreaking. I wish that's just another great player that never got a ring, but at least he had a couple opportunities to get to that spot. That Rams defense, watch out. Even without Jared Goff in there, that Rams defense obviously can cause problems. Now, granted, Kyler Murray was injured for most of that game, but that Rams defense is scary. And in a game nowadays that is so pass heavy, Jalen Ramsey averaged giving up 20 yards per game. That dude is still the top cornerback in the league. Doug, no one's talking about him as much over the Rams when he's winning as opposed to when they're losing. I guess that makes sense because he's more of just a single bright spot on a shitty team versus a one bright spot on a star-studded D-line or defense, I should say. Rams are looking good. Still would not want to face them. But like I previously said, let's come up to Lambeau. We can can, uh, shoot the shit there a little bit. Seahawks come from behind late to beat the San Francisco 49ers. While it did not improve their seeding, it was an impressive end of the regular season for them in a game that looked like they were kind of just lackadaisical, didn't show up, maybe looking ahead for that postseason run. But all of a sudden, this Seahawks team has the third matchup of the season with the Los Angeles Rams. They've both split before this where the home team has won both. So you would think going into it, Seahawks have a slight advantage. But also in this game, you had DK Metcalf. You said Seattle single season receiving yard record with 1,303 yards. Honestly, that surprised me. I thought it would be higher than that. It clearly wasn't. Before Russell Wilson, I guess, the what, one of the biggest names that you have at quarterback in Seattle has been what, Matt Hasselback? So I can understand when you start thinking about that. And then before that, you had the the, the NFL game simply wasn't pass heavy yet. It was still a very traditional style run, defense, pass occasionally kind of league. So 1,300 for a receiver, especially in his second year. Very impressive with DK. All of a sudden, you look back at that old Miss room between DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, and you're just shaking your head. If those guys could have stayed healthy, what could have been down there? Although I'm sure they're not too upset that they have Lane Kiffin inked up for an extension themselves. This one was crazy. Washington football team beats the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night in a game that Philadelphia, without even trying to be like careful about it, they tanked. They pulled Jalen Hurts. Mid-game when they were like, oh, shit, you know what? We might actually win this game. We got to make sure that doesn't happen. We got to get a better draft pick. Why? they Like, what they're trying to aim for there? Who knows? Maybe just trying to be a little preemptive. If we're out of the playoffs, what's the point of winning week 17? 
Now, whether or not the NFL is ever going to do something about this when there are clear and obvious tanking teams in the NFL, we'll see. It's going to be tough because they can truly just say, oh, we were actually trying to win. Like Doug Peterson did say this past weekend, not a lot of people are buying it. I'm not buying it. The healthy, healthy scratch, Carson wins. And then you pull Jalen Hurts. I just don't have it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Washington, credit to them. They did win the game. But man, seven and nines never looked worse. It doesn't feel like we got a real champion out of the NFC East this year. I mean, there's past teams where like, you go back with Seattle when they had the beast quake like 10 years ago or whatever with Marshawn Lynch. That felt like a better seven and nine team. It felt like a better division. This one top to bottom, you're just shaking your head all year. Quarterback play has been just piss poor in this. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to literally have to get sold off for a draft pick for somebody to want him. The disaster of a year. But credit to Washington. They were the, the best, the shiniest turd, I guess you could say. And now why we're all really listening. What? Because you like my voice? Because you like Wally's voice? Because we make you guys listen? No, that's not it. It's because we're here for gambling and we're all fucking degenerates. As I drink this beer, let me swig it back. Man, degeneracy tastes good, if that's a real word. What the hell's going on out here? All right, thank you, Steven. I'm going to throw over my six picks real quick for you before I throw it back to him, and he's going to give you his as well. Let's start real quick here with the Indianapolis Colts are going to Buffalo. Buffalo is a six and a half point favorite in this game. I just feel like this is one of those stories where we haven't even hit the climax yet. Buffalo is going to win this game. I think they're eventually going to get to the AFC title game and get a crack at the Kansas City Chiefs for a shot at the Super Bowl, which would be unbelievable. It'd be the most fitting way to end a crazy year. I know it's 2021 now, but this is still the 2020 season. So it would be an insane way to end it if the Bills manage to get to the Super Bowl. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But as for right now, I'm taking Josh Allen. I'm taking Stephon Diggs. I'm taking that defense against an aging Phillip Rivers in likely his last playoff game, in my opinion. I'm going Bills minus six and a half. Hammer them. Hammer the money line. It's a great story. It's just a shame you can't get a packed the Ralph to have or to celebrate this team going into the divisional round. But I'm sure... There won't be a safe table in Buffalo come this weekend. As for the Rams and Seahawks, I'll keep it brief since he's breaking down the NFC a little bit more. Rams going to Seattle. Seattle is a three and a half point favorite. I really was up in the air on this one. There are times that both of these teams look like Super Bowl contenders. There are times where both of these teams look like it's amazing that they made the playoffs. I think that we are going to see good Russell Wilson. And I think good Russell Wilson simply outduels even an average Jared Goff. Things going to be very similar to the matchup they had a few weeks ago. Relatively low scoring for most of the game. Seattle just wears them down. They do advance. They do win. And they do cover Seattle minus three and a half. And who knows? Before long, we might be able to see a Seattle in Green Bay matchup. A rematch of last year, which I'm sure Seattle is more than happy and more than itching to get a shot at them. Now, Tampa Bay. Tom Brady Tampa Bay. His first ever It's the first and only time in his career that Tom Brady has played on a wild card team. A little different. He's got to travel on the first game of the year or first game of the postseason. He's going to Washington. Washington just coming off what felt like a charity case game that Philadelphia gift wrapped the NFC East for. I'm going to ride with Tampa Bay to win this game, but that half points a lot. That feels really important, especially when you have a defense playing as well as Washington. Yeah, Alex Smith, he's actually... 
playing at a very high level for him right now. Yeah, it's, he's not prime Alex Smith anymore. But similar to what we say about those guys like Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Big Ben, even Tom Brady at some times, we're like, yeah, they're not themselves anymore, but they're smart enough to be able to put their team in a good position. I think Alex Smith's going to be able to control the ball and not turn it over enough that they manage to stay within seven and a half. Defense helps too. Chase Young tells Tom Brady early in the week after the game, Tom Brady, I'm coming. What do they do? They're not worried. Bruce Arian says, be careful what you wish for, bud. But then also warned his own team. This isn't Dwayne Haskins we're playing against. They're 4-1 with Alex Smith. Did that hurt me? Yeah, my heart hurt like a lot. But he's not wrong. As much as I love Dwayne Haskins right now, he's clearly not at the ability or in the position of his career to play a playoff game against Tom Brady and win. Would not happen. It, it will not happen. Tampa Bay wins, but they don't cover. Washington plus 7.5. Now Baltimore going to Tennessee. Baltimore, the road favorite here as well. They're three-point favorites against Tennessee. Trying to get the little monkey off his back right now in Lamar. He's not been able to win a playoff game. People are starting to do the whole is he clutch thing. I don't think it's fair, especially this early in a career. And it wasn't his fault last year they lost. The receivers could not hold on to the ball. And when you run into a guy like Derrick Henry, who's playing like he was then, and unfortunately, the way he's playing right now, that's a very tough team to play. I am actually going to go with Tennessee to pull the upset yet again, winning, covering the plus three. I think Derrick Henry has a great game. Credit to Steven a few weeks ago. He said Derrick Henry should be in the MVP race. I called him an idiot. He was an idiot to say he'd win the MVP, but he deserves some recognition right now to at least get garner votes. Patrick Mahomes at this point in the quarterbacks, the top end in this league, they're going to win the war pretty much year in a year out now. That's the kind of league we are in. It's too pass happy. It's too pass dependent. You can't be giving it to a rusher, even if he is rushing for over 2,000 yards in a year. Congratulations again for Derek Henry on doing that. But this week, it will be enough. Tennessee's going to be able to run it down their throat, control the clock, and it's going to look very similar to that game they played in Baltimore a few months ago. Tennessee wins, beat the Ravens. Unfortunately, Lamar has to hear about his playoff woes for another year. The Chicago Bears going to New Orleans. Saints are minus nine and a half. This game was another one kind of like that Washington game a little while ago where I think you're going to have the Saints win the game, but that's a big number, especially against a defense as good as that Bears one is. And with a running game that's been pretty prolific in the last month or so of the season here. I know they didn't look great this last week and it's a Pats or Packers, but that's kind of similar where you have teams like, like we talked about with the Browns, that they simply can't beat the Steelers. You have teams like the Bengals that can't beat the Steelers. There's teams like that. Jets never beaten a Patriots. There, there are these matchups where mentality is just as important as actually showing up to the game. And this is one of them for me where, or that was one of them for me where don't panic yet if you're the Bears. They're not going to win this game, but I do think they're going to cover. Drew Brees, I know, I know that Steven misread the stat I gave to him earlier, but Drew Brees has actually been the quarterback for 10 straight games where the Saints have scored 26 or more points. So getting him back, it's important. Yeah, his arm's not the same, but as I just mentioned last or a few games ago with Alex Smith, you have these guys with the high football intelligence. That is a big deal. You know not to turn it over. You know your body. You know where you can't make throws anymore. So yeah, sometimes you're going to have to check down. The stat line's going to be ugly, but it's better than him throwing three picks, trying to make throws that 2010 Drew Brees can make. 2010 Drew Brees is dead. We're on 2021 Drew Brees, and now it's just a matter of, is he good enough to make one last run? We'll see. I don't know if that's possible, but I think he does enough to win this game. 
the Saints do win, but the Bears are going to cover. This is going to be a 27-21 kind of game. That's where we're at there. Last game of the week, the Cleveland Browns are traveling to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like Steven said, I also was a little bit surprised that you have the Steelers only at minus six at the moment. I think that a large part of that too is just, it's hard to trust the Steelers team the way they've played in the last half of the year. They're going to have issues too with Joe Hayden likely missing the game with COVID. I just do not think the Browns are going to be able to do it now, especially with all the people out this week, especially without Stefanski out this week. I don't think they have it in them. It's a shame. I think we're getting robbed of what could have been a really fun matchup. Instead, I think we are going to see a Steelers team win a game like 27-17 against a simply overmatched and outcoached Cleveland Browns team. Better luck next year. It, it's just a shame right now. It's going to come right on the heels. You have the Cleveland Indians trading Francisco Lindor for nothing. You have one of the worst owners in baseball. You follow that up where you finally feel like the Browns are getting over the hump. They're not doing Browns things anymore. They're not shooting themselves in the foot whenever they can find an opportunity to. And then the NFL announces, yeah, you know what? Our testing found that you had three different strains of COVID in your room, which just means that likelihood is that you guys brought this in yourselves. This wasn't in a random act of an outbreak in your facility. It's a bummer. It really is. But we'll see how it goes. Maybe they stun the world. Cleveland comes out. They exercise some demons. I just don't think it happens. Steelers win. They win by 10. Possibly in Big Ben's last playoff game as Pittsburgh Steeler. Who my picks are. We got the LA Rams going to the Seattle Seahawks in a great division matchup. Now, Jared Goff is not expected to be playing in this. John Wofford is going to be making his second consecutive start. Fun enough, fun fact. First quarterback with 200 passing yards and 50 rushing yards in his first start. So good job to you, Johnny. You can change your LinkedIn profile to financial from financial advisor to solid quarterback. Great backup if you need me to be. But is that going to be enough to beat the Seahawks? Absolutely not. It's Russell Wilson. Even if this is a quarterback duel with Jared Goff, I'm still going to go with Russell Wilson, obviously. Now, the asterisk matchup, the matchup with an asterisk next to it, is obviously the Rams D-line versus the O-line of the Seattle Seahawks. Because they are bad. They've always been bad. So... I'm going with Seattle money line on this, but I'm going to take the plus three and a half for the Rams. It's a wild card playoff game and it's a divisional game. They're going to be playing gritty. And I feel like it's going to be a close one or Seattle by 20. So it's either, either way on that one, but I'm going with the Rams plus three and a half Seattle money line on that. Tampa Bay minus seven and a half at Washington. This one is just so interesting. Obviously, you guys saw Chase Young chirping. I want Tom. I want Tom after winning their division here on Sunday night. Man, I guess people will never ever learn not to give Tom Brady bull, bulletin board material. But who am I here to judge? I'm just sitting back, drinking a beer, making a podcast. Cannot wait to watch it Saturday because I'm going to go with the Washington football team at plus seven and a half strictly because the way that they can get to Tom Brady. We saw how much problem that Tom Brady had against a team similar to this and the New York Giants, how they almost lost that Monday night game here a few weeks back. I would with better quarterback play from Washington. Not that much. And obviously better running back play overall, better offensive play. This could be one of those one of those really really grinded out games that Washington wins by a point or two and I can potentially see that this was at six and a half seven I'm gonna go with Tampa Bay but that point that half point I feel is gonna save us so I'm gonna go with Washington plus seven and a half and I know Wally's gonna love that and his boy Chase Young 
And for our last playoff game here, we're going to have the Chicago Bears going to the New Orleans Saints where they are nine and a half point underdogs. This one's interesting. The New Orleans Saints, obviously like that stat, Wally, was so kind to help me out with 26 points or less in 10 straight games by Drew Brees. This Bears defense, as long as you can keep them off the field and get the offense rolling a little bit, like they were against Green Bay putting 15 play, 11, 12 play drives in there to keep Aaron Rodgers at bay on the sideline. It's the same game plan you will need against this New Orleans Saints team, except their defense is a tad, tad bit better. And when I mean a tad bit better than the Green Bay Packers, I mean their top three versus Green Bay being in the middle of the pack, essentially. But I like Chicago's defense. I think that's another good matchup as well. That that front seven against New Orleans O-line and their running backs, I think that's going to be really fun. As long as that defensive coordinator for the Bears, Mr. Chuck Pagano, isn't expecting your linebackers to be keeping up with Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver S type, and Michael Thomas, you guys should be able to you guys should be able to do some damage. I'm gonna go with the Bears plus nine and a half on this, but the New Orleans Saints money line to cover this. And before I toss it over here to Wally. For the AFC picks, here are my AFC picks as well. I'm going to go with the Bills minus six and a half against the Indianapolis Colts. You can tell that Philip Rivers is towards the end of his career. He's riding into the sunset mentally already, it feels like. And the, the team just isn't playing complete football like they were earlier in the season. Seems like they've just kind of been fading away since that huge win against the Green Bay Packers. And the Bills are the hottest team in the NFL right now. Bills minus six and a half. Baltimore minus three at the Tennessee Titans. Lamar Jackson proved to me that you can win a big game. Tennessee has been wish-washy as well. The Ravens have been getting together offensively here the past few weeks since we've been very skeptical about them. So they've been turning it on. But what have you done for me lately in the playoffs? Absolutely nothing. I'm going to go with the team that has had success more recently in the playoffs in the Tennessee Titans. And they're just going to hop on Derrick Henry's back like all the other defenders and ride them. So hopefully another AFC championship game, potentially the Super Bowl this year. And the last game for AFC, Pittsburgh minus six against the Cleveland Browns. Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach, testing positive for COVID. On top of Denzel Ward and another cornerback, I just don't think Cleveland has it enough. Cleveland, you guys made it here this far. Sorry that you had to lose on your first playoff game in 18 years. Haven't won a road playoff game in 50 years. I don't see it happening. It's all baby steps. You guys are going to be here for the future and years to come. But what's one more year for you guys, right? At least you got in the playoffs this year. That's all that matters. And that is going to wrap us up here for another episode of Lost of Down. Again, guys, thank you so much for dealing with us here the past couple weeks. Obviously, a huge shout-out again to Wally Lukashensky. Kid is just a fucking animal. Keeps it alive here for us. Love you, buddy. Love doing the show with you guys. And uh, can't wait to get back in person. We can get this going again. Follow us on all the social media platforms. On Facebook, Loss of Down. On Instagram, at Loss of Down. And Twitter, down underscore loss. We're going to get better at I know you've heard me say here a couple weeks, but the slower offseason coming in, I really think that we're going to attack it. And next week, we're going to have a fun little betting segment here for you. I'll give you a hint of what it's called. It's from the early 2000s song. And the only giveaway I can give to it is we were most likely grinding to it in middle school dances and getting yelled at for it. Because some people were dropping that ass. That's all I'm going to say. Until next week, he is Wally Lukashensky. Wally, enjoy the rest of your vacation in North Carolina. I am Stephen Weed here. And until next time, we are Lost of Down. And we will see you here next week. Ohio State beats Alabama next week. Also, fuck you, Dabo.